From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis and the Mississippi Delta for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation and Memphis Tourism. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we have country bad boy Dale Watson. Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee. Brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, JB. We've got the disciple of Ameripolitan-style country, Dale Watson, on the show this week. He's so good at country that he's got his own subgenre. Well, not quite. The tag Ameripolitan is a term Dale helped coin, and it denotes the departure from the pop country and Americana of today's country charts. Dale feels that he and several other selected artists represent a direct link back to the days of country legends like Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, and folks even as far back as Jimmy Rogers and Ernest Tubb. And though he's been recording and releasing music since the late 1980s, he's been ruffling quite a few feathers here lately with his commitment to keeping country the way things used to be. I take it you heard about the Blake Shelton thing. I did, but we'll get into that later. Is that cool? Works for me. Perfect. Watson is fresh off the release of February's Call Me Lucky, an album he cut for Red House Records. Rolling Stone commended the album cut The Dumb Song, an ode to all the dumb things we shouldn't do. The magazine particularly enjoyed Watson's convincing nod to Johnny Cash. He kind of went the extra mile to bake a lot of cash into that cake. He definitely did, singing in that low, low cash register. Not only did Watson record the song at Sam Phillips Recordings, he also tapped W.S. Holland to play behind him. Holland formally played with, you guessed it, the man in black, Johnny Cash. We got a chance to spend some time with Watson at his performance at Old Dominic Distillery in downtown Memphis. We tried not to soak any whiskey into the mix while recording the performance, but if a little got inside the recording, that's fine by me. After all, we're there to see the man who released the 2006 album, Whiskey or God, so it would be fitting. In that case, I don't mind if a little extra spirit ended up in the recording. Here's Dale Watson, live on Bill Street Caravan. To below Mississippi in a 57 fair lane. Stop, got a gold burger down the Johnny's drive Like a southern summer would be I felt cool with my baby right beside me That's heaven, that's a heaven to me
Here's more from Dale Watson, live on Bill Street Caravan. Walk down the street and have a back across my bed. Walk under the 
of a gun. I know I ain't smarter than anyone. I'm just lucky. That's right. Believe me when I'm 
That was Dale Watson live on Bill Street Caravan. For more info on Dale, head over to dalewatson.com. We'll be back with more music from Dale in just a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation and is also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. This week, we learn about Sam Phillips. Marion stood on the sidewalk of empty Union Avenue well past midnight. She looked across the dark street into an empty storefront. Then a neon sign sparked a life in the window, and three words glowed, Memphis Recording Service. Her eyes adjusted to the glare, and she could see him standing behind the neon, bathed in its blue light. He's beautiful, she thought, and out of his mind. Sam Phillips looked at her through the window and smiled. Marion remembered seeing a preacher with fire in his eyes. Sam looked almost that way, but it wasn't fire she saw in him. Sam's eyes had electricity. His eyes reminded her of Beethoven's eyes, soft but wild. Her heels clicked across the Union Avenue asphalt. Marion went inside. What do you say, he asked. It looks like something in one of your dreams, she told him. He laughed. You got that right. Sam twisted a cigarette into his holder. She thought to herself, this better be a dream. Where else could a man start a business with no plan, no model, and no demand? A fever dream, he said. She said, as I understand it, to have a facility where black people can make music. A laboratory, replied Sam. The sign was the last touch. For weeks, Sam and Marion had spent their nights after work in the little store on Union. They glued acoustic tiles across the ceiling. They painted linoleum floor tiles red and laid them wall to wall. They painted the little office seafoam green. They installed a control room. Sam rigged up the speakers. She watched him grow increasingly frantic as the work piled up. She saw his temperature rising. His skin turned red. Sam walked around the room, clapping his hands or throwing his voice to see how it bounces, he said. Sam felt his breath leave him. His heart pounded. His pulse smashed into his eyeballs. Pain shot through his chest like lightning. He could feel his spirit untying from his body. Sam sat down and tried to catch his breath. He was frying. His circuits were fizzing night after night into the early morning. Finally, the sign plugged in and painted him all over in cool blue light. Now it was real. They quit their jobs and came every day to the Memphis Recording Service. Marion sustained herself on love. All I want is to make it possible for you to do whatever makes you happy, she said. Sam felt more of a need than a want. He needed the studio, and she was part of it as much as the acoustic tiles and control room. He needed her to cool the electricity. The electricity kept him up all night. While the rest of the city dreamed asleep, Sam dreamed awake. The electricity made him walk the streets. One morning, he told Marion, I heard a black man pick a guitar and pat his foot on a wooden box. The world's missing out on that, she joked. There's sickness in this country that music can heal, he said. Marion thought he meant electricity. She and Sam looked up at the sound of the front door jingling open to see a giant. He wore blue denim overalls, and his jaw looked hard as a sledgehammer. 
he introduced himself as the Howlin' Wolf. Mr. Wolf, Marion said, shaking his hand. Wolf brought in a guitarist and drummer. Sam showed them where to set up. When the Howlin' Wolf cracked open that jaw to sing, he sounded like a tornado. Marion could not deny the entrancing rawness of Howling Wolf. She watched Sam in the control room while Wolf sang. Sam shut those wild eyes and sat absolutely still, more tranquil than she'd ever seen him. After the song, Sam opened his eyes like someone waking from a restful slumber. He looked cool and refreshed. Everyone stood still. Sam broke the silence. That's where the soul of man never dies, he said. Marion understood now what the music meant. It channeled his electricity, gave him an outlet to plug into. But more than that, Howlin' Wolf sang about the human condition. The music cut through color in a way that spoke to everyone. It was Sam's dream. Where the soul of a man never dies, she thought. Beautiful. She knew, though that this was where a man's business would die if they couldn't turn soul into profit. When Sam couldn't find the right record company to publicize his discoveries, he invented one of his own. He hoped he'd be better off opening a new stream of income, keeping what cash his songs generated. The thing turned out to be another source of fees, licensing, copyright production costs. Marion could see the color rising in her man's cheeks. I need to walk it off, he said, and left. A walk-in arrived while Sam was out. Marion looked up at the boy, greasy, long-haired, almost frightened-looking. He said he wanted to record a song for his mama's birthday. Four bucks closer to salvation, Marion thought. She led him into the little studio and showed him the mic. She went back into the control room and set up the record machine. He started a slow ballad. The voice had a sincere tremble that caught Marion's ear. She flipped on Sam's tape machine to record a sample of the boy's voice that wouldn't be carried out of the door in five minutes. If you know anybody needs a singer, please keep me in mind, he asked Marion. She told him she wouldn't. The kid paid $4 plus a little change for his record, took it, and walked out. Marion grabbed the secret audition tape. She sat a second and wondered how to label the box. He walked past the window with his greasy mop of hair shining in the sun. Marion gave him a little nickname and jotted it down. Timothy Sideburns. After Sideburns split, Marion returned to reality. She tallied up the bills and counted the income. Sun Records stood on the brink of bankruptcy. But ever the dreamer, Sam came back hot about a new group off of Beale Street. They came in late that night after playing a gig. Little Junior Parker and the Blue Flames. Sam said, that rhythm is going to knock down the wall between the white world and the black world. But Sam found out the world wasn't ready. Great records like Howlin' Wolf's and Little Junior Parker's were never even heard on the white side of the wall. 
Sam and Marion sat at the coffee shop next door and discussed the business. Only she knew how bad the numbers really were. Had she not loved this man, she would have quit at the first skipped payday. As they took a booth, Marion could see Sam's skin going flush. She knew she had to take it easy. You're ahead of your time, Marion told him. Everybody else is going to have to catch up with you. That's a kind way of saying I'm not connecting, Sam said. Maybe I need to meet them halfway. But where, Marion asked, radio stations are segregated. Record stores are segregated. Nightclubs are segregated. How can the music ever change white folks without reaching them? Marion paused. And they have all the money, so why should they? Sam said, now if I could find a white singer who had a drop of Howlin' Wolf's conviction, we'd make a million bucks. Marion brightened up and nearly shouted, Timothy Sideburns! Standing in their little laboratory the next afternoon, Sam noticed something about Elvis Presley. The young man had the same quiet insecurity as the black singers who walked in. Elvis stood at the mic and strummed his beat-up guitar. Sam sat in the control room and watched, his eyes level with the kid's eyes, which barely made contact for more than a flash. Marion watched Sam, his color cooled from red to pink. As Elvis sang, Sam heard something in his voice. The kid was raw and real, all right, strangely determined, too. He couldn't finish his song, but didn't let that stop him from singing Sam every one he'd ever heard. Sam listened for three hours, but had no choice but to send Elvis away. Another week without pay. Marion rode Sam to bring back sideburns. He can't get through a whole song, he told her. Meet him halfway, Sam. Let the world catch up a little. She had a point. And he got an idea. A country and western duo needed a singer. He got them together, Fourth of July weekend. Elvis, Scotty Moore, and Bill Black fumbled through a few numbers. Sometimes they sounded like the courage was just coming before crumbling apart, just like Elvis had in front of Sam last week. The three of them were a little too real and raw. Sam was beginning to fry in the tiny control room. He felt his heart pounding and called a break. Scotty and Bill leaned their instruments against the wall and grabbed cold bottles of Coke. Elvis stayed at the mic. He strummed his guitar and started jumping around. Bill picked up his bass and slapped the beat. Bill twirled the upright as Scotty flipped on his guitar and curled a few notes into the racket. Sam poked his head out of the control room. He shouted, what the hell are y'all doing in there? Just fooling around, Scotty said. Well, figure out what you're doing and find where it starts, Sam said. Well, that's all right, Mama. That's all right for you. That's all right, Mama. Just any way you do, that's all right. Y'all got something there, Sam said. Only took three hours. Marion poked her head into the studio and said, All you need now is one for the flip side. Well, she done told me, Papa done told me too. Son, that guy you fooling with, she ain't no good for you. But that's all right. That's all right. That's all right, Mama. Anyway, do. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. 
For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. Street Caravan has been bringing the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the musicians who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. Again, it's iListenToMemphis.com. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from Memphis Tourism, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, we've got the king of Ameripolitan country, Dale Watson. Dale's a Birmingham native, but he's one of our neighbors now. Kind of. A little bit. At least. Yeah, he's back and forth between Austin and Memphis when he's not out spreading the country traditionalist gospel on the road. His most recent output isn't the first time Watson has used his voice to connect Memphis to the essence of country music. In 2000, he released the tongue-in-cheek Dalevis, which was recorded at Sun Studios. Dale's got a knack for clever titles. In 2013, he released Old Fart. The song was a direct shot at one of his more vocal critics, the country pop superstar himself, Blake Shelton. Shelton made comments during a documentary aimed at the old farts who don't believe in country music changing with the times. Watson took offense. I never knew how much country music was like wrestling. Maybe it's a Memphis-Nashville thing. You know, that rivalry can get really ugly. I know about that all too well. Let's get back to old Dominic so the old fart can tell you all about it himself. Here's more from Dell Watson live on Bill Street Caravan. Thank you. What's it done yet, though? Well, I woke up this morning. As you know, every blues song starts with that line. Because I thought if I was going to write my first one, it had to be that line. Here we go. Well, I woke up this morning. One thing in mind. Gonna find me a woman. To share my life 
So I looked in the paper Right there on page three I see, you know I wrote this a long time ago Nobody looks in the paper anymore in the class So I, I tried to update it a little while ago I said, I went on the Craigslist Right there on click three That was the sound I made when I did it When I hit it well, Even that's outdated now So I think uh, It's on the new record But I think I recorded it like this So I locked on the tender Right there on swipe three Well, if I'm a woman, just right for me. I said, I drink smoke and I eat a lot. I like beer, but I don't like pot. I said, I love music, but I can't dance. Love the smell of old spice. Mama Smile. I wrote this on uh, Mother's Day a couple of years ago. 
When you look up in the sky The clouds and wonder why They're just there To make you smile And if you ever wonder if It'll always be like this The answer's yes When you smile It's the best way To explain The mysteries Of life Who we are When did it start And the biggest question Why I see a miracle Each day I look into Your face And I see, Mama, you smile. off the new record to come out. Oh, yes, I got old. 
Gotta cap over feet to help him tow his load. A 30-mile round trip still the D.O.T.'s got a dodger. That's David Buck's Kemper from Yano, He's a trucking farmer, or he's a farming trucker, and it all depends on the time of year. Cause in the summer there's a weeter, in the fall corn is saga. But David Buck's Kemper from Yano, it's the ghetto. That's David Buck's Kemper from Yano, it's the ghetto. David Bucks Kipper and that old Esther got old. So being a new Memphian, looking at it from new eyes, what has been your favorite thing about being in the city? 100% that my favorite thing about being in Memphis is being able to feel the history and look around and see the history. And I love the fact we, you're not seeing a condo built every block or tearing something down to put something new and shiny up that has no soul. Uh, I think Memphis is on the right track in the way that uh, if they are putting in things left and right, they're gonna do it with the existing uh, structure, the existing feel. They, they're keeping the soul of what is Memphis, but been bringing in something new. And I think that's what, quite frankly, what Ameripolitan is all about. You know, we're, we're trying to express our roots, our affection for the roots, but we bring our own new thing to it. And that's what I think Memphis embodies. And as a city, it really has an affection for its roots and its past where it's not in a hurry just to tear down a building just because somebody wants to put a condo there. Well, talk to us a little bit about new music. What you been working on? Well, you know, I write all the time, so um, by the time the album comes out, I've already got another album's worth of stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's hard for me to mentally keep up with where I'm at now. Public-wise, I got a new record coming out February 15th. It's on a, a new label that I, I've not done business with, but uh, they consumed the label I was with. And they seem like really great folks, it's, and uh, they're named Coppice Records. And it's coming out uh, called Call Me Lucky. It'll be the 32nd album, number 32. Uh, we did it all at Sam Phillips Recording Studio. And uh, I'm really excited about the fact that it's just a kind of, kind of a different sounding uh, record just because of the fact that it wasn't recorded in Texas, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, that gave me a little freedom to do more of the rockabilly side of, of what I do. So who's producing it? It's self-produced. At this point, 32 records in, do you ever think to yourself, oh, well, I need a fresh set of ears, yeah, or is I, there a focus, I know what I want? I, I've done that a, a couple of times along the way. I mean, I think everybody should do that, because like you said, it is a fresh set of ears uh, and a different perspective. Uh, my last record I did was produced by Lloyd Maines, who's an amazing, amazing producer, uh, amazing musician, uh, very much, a, he's a Texas legend. Uh, steel player as well as producer and, uh, and I'm very proud of that record call me insane that he produced uh, There were some things on there that I go man. I, I wish I would have done this but Lloyd's ears his his ears brought a new perspective And I said you know what if when you bring in the producer 
you let them have the final say, and that's the way it was. When you went in Phillips, was there a calling, new ideas? And it was. I mean, we, I've done, I think we did a few songs, we did it like three different ways, and I, uh, and I never done that before. Uh, we've always went in because we usually played the songs for months and months, maybe even years. Then we finally go in and record it, and we do it the way we've done it. But uh, in that space, yeah, there's there's a definite. Sam Phillips must have permeated the walls of that place because when you go in there, the ideas and different things you want to try are all over the place. And and we did, and I found myself uh, being like a mad scientist, experimenting with this and experimenting with that and doing this. So uh, that I think that is the nature of Sam Phillips' legacy. Is he, he did it in, at Sun Studios, and he certainly did it at Sam Phillips. So he, uh, it felt natural to do all that stuff, even though it slowed down the record, it slowed down the process, but uh, uh, it was still fun doing that. Three versions of one song? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, that's not normal, My uh, the way I do things. I normally know exactly how I want them to go, and I go in and do them that way, but I have to add also that being in that studio, Sam Phillips recording studio, was very comfortable. It's just uh, very laid back, and Jerry Phillips and Matt Rossfang make you feel very much at home. And that gives you that feeling of permission to be experimental. What's the rest of the year look like for you? Uh, well, I'm pretty much more the same as far as the U.S. I'm just traveling all over here. So just more touring, more touring and supporting the new record, Call Me Lucky. Do you still see Europe as being the great super fan base? of Roots music? I mean, it, Europe definitely is more westernized than it used to be. You know, we're sitting here, my best friend here, Frank from Holland, you know, I, I remember going to Holland and you wouldn't even, even see a Starbucks or a McDonald's, you know, I mean, you'd, you'd have to eat the local food and you, you and uh, people were dressed in their own fashion and, and it, was, it was really great to be able to experience uh, Germany and all these places that were not so westernized because you see the difference and you see, they were fans of the music, and, and, and I'd go over there, uh, have a lot of success, because people like Merle Haggard would never go over there. Mm -hmm. Johnny Cash went over there very limited, so, and that's my type of music, so I did well over there early on. But the world got smaller with the internet and uh, satellite TV. Which you th it's hard to believe that these things weren't around all the time. Yeah. You know, this was even ni the 90s we're talking about. The internet and, and satellite TV and all these things have made the world a much smaller place where individual countries' uh, persona kind of just osmosed into one thing. And uh, uh, Euro made a lot of things easy. I mean, it made a lot of things easy as far as going from country to country. You didn't have to change currency. But that difference, uh, you can see it on my guitar. That's what I got on my guitar. I got Pesetas from Spain, I got Franks from France, I got Gilders from Holland, I got uh, Deutschmarks from Germany. And you look at their coins and, you, and you, see, you see the difference of that country and the pride they had. And uh, so now it's all kind of gone into one thing. Even on a cultural slant, you're looking at where things got very westernized and very homogenized. The mainstream took over over there more than the, uh, the side interest. I, I always said this, and, and it, now it's even more so, especially in England, where we got a lot of record sales in the first record. You couldn't even get a record in the record store. You had to go to a, uh, a catalog place. And, and to, do, to, to get your own music, the kind of you like, uh, 
you had to go shop for it. Mainstream music, they just give you what they're paid to give you, but they and you and you take it. And uh, I think that's a, probably the biggest difference nowadays as opposed to where it was. Where is the place that you think it would just be amazing to go play a show? You know, I've, I've been in. A, a, I've been all around, but uh, I've never been to China or something like that. But I have been to Japan. Uh, I've been all over Scandinavia. And these places seem to speak enough English. But I think probably for me, because my English is not what they expect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm Southern, so it's, it really sounds different. A little different, different. <laughs> different to them. So, but to, to me, story songs are really uh, something you got to have a good grasp of English to appreciate. But I don't. They're not, they're not so much uh, English speakers over there. So, <laughs> well, you know, I did. Like I said, I did go to Japan. Uh, I went there in, in the '80s and, and uh, went down to Rapongi, where a lot of American bands were, or, or American music was being played. And I listened to a band there. It was fantastic. They were, they were doing Chuck Berry and, and Carl Perkins and Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis. It was just a great night of music. Johnny Cash. And uh, they took a break and they came straight over to my table because, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess I have a rockabilly look. And uh, they said hi, and that was the only English English word they, they knew. Because <laughs> I was thinking, wait a minute, you just did an hour and a half of great American music and you don't speak any English? And uh, the one person that said, uh, no, no English. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for sitting down and talking to us. And we will see you again, but we're going to go back to more live music. That's, I can't go wrong there. Let's go to live music. <laughs> Here's more from Del Watson live on Bill Street Caravan. Like a sparrow, Miss Flag. Like the moonwood, Miss Night. Like a flower, Miss D.
yellow cream in my coat. You're the grits to my gravy. You're the wind in my sea. A lullaby to my baby. Like a song would miss music. Like a singer miss song. Like Johnny. Like a bell would miss ringing. Like a bird would miss singing. Like Johnny missed you. That's how I miss you. Like Johnny. I miss George Jones. I want to do this song for you. Yeah. 
That was Dale Watson live on Bill Street Caravan. For more info on Dale, check out dalewatson.com. Dale's spending the spring and the summer on tour in the U.S. and in Europe, so you might get a chance to see him out on the road. Absolutely. Be sure to check out his dates. This is pure country stuff, just about as pure as it gets. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, Memphis Tourism, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, and Tennessee Tourism for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public radio. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week. So until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm -hmm.